Ten or so years ago, right before Easter arrived, while I was serving my first parish in Kentucky, I came into the church office one morning to find a letter someone had left for me on my desk. There was no return address or name of the sender on the front of the envelope. It just had my name and a handwritten note that was asking me to please wait and read the letter the following day. I remember picking it up, looking it over, and then, because I had other things to get started on, dropping the envelope into my bag and taking it home with me to read later. The next morning, when I was about to have my morning cup of tea, I opened the letter and immediately saw that it had come to me from one of my favorite parishioners. Back then, for me as a new priest and rector, Joe Parker was a standout in my first church in Paris, Kentucky. Amidst all the older families in the parish, most of which had strong ties in the horse industry and had been attending that church for a very long time, Joe was from the other side of the tracks in town, quite literally. Early in his life, Joe had been a career criminal. I knew from what had been passed on to me that he'd been involved in everything from possession of stolen property to selling drugs. But the one story I'd heard over and over again from Joe and from everyone else who knew him was how he'd literally had his life changed when he found Jesus and he found the church behind prison bars through prison ministry, which our church had been offering to the local prison for many years. Because Joe had found Jesus and had become a serious Christian, since he'd gotten out of jail some 10 or 15 years earlier, He'd hardly ever missed a Sunday morning service. He'd become a beloved fixture of the church, rain, sleet, snow, or hail. And he'd gone on to take leadership himself in the prison ministry team, going back to the same local prison where he'd spent time behind bars, this time around to share with the inmates his own story and how Jesus had finally set him free and changed his life. But even though Joe now looked like the poster child for rehabilitation and change, he never shied away from telling me that it hadn't always been easy for him to stay a Christian over these last 10 years. He would often tell me that following Jesus was actually the hardest thing that he'd ever had to do. But as hard as it was, Joe never doubted its worth because he knew it had literally saved his life. When I finally opened that letter that Joe had left on my desk, I discovered that he'd actually written that whole story down for me as the finale for his Lenten discipline that year. He wanted to share with me in writing his testimony of a life lived, a life nearly lost, and a life truly resurrected in Jesus Christ. I've never forgotten reading that letter and being emotionally moved to tears over and over again as I went through each page. I have it saved and tucked away in my office right now. And in my heart and in my head, I instantly began to think of friends and family and people I'd met briefly along the way who I wished I could have turned around and sent that letter off to in order to prove to them that Jesus Christ truly saves. And though it's been years since I've heard from Joe, I know that sharing that true story of amazing grace with as many people as possible is exactly why he gave me that letter in the first place. It was incredibly good news, 
And stories of good news are always news we need to share with someone else. Joe's story reminded me again this week of an honest definition of Christian faith and discipleship that was once passed on to me by a fellow priest and one of my early mentors. And since that mentor has given it to me, I've discovered over the years that she actually picked it up herself from the wisdom of the 12-step program in Alcoholics Anonymous. That definition goes something like this. Religion always begins as something for people who are trying to stay out of hell, while the hard day-to-day work of spirituality and discipleship becomes essential to people who've already been there. The letter my friend Joe wrote was most certainly from someone who had been to hell and was working every single day to never have to go back to hell again. Brothers and sisters, today's lessons chosen for this fifth Sunday after Easter, I believe are filled with the life-changing message of the power of the resurrected Christ in the face of any trouble, worry, pestilence, or devastation that we face. Each passage is overflowing with the promise of salvation and hope. If we're willing to open our hearts for Christ's amazing grace, and then lay down our lives and take up our cross and follow Jesus. In the Acts of the Apostles today, we hear the story of St. Stephen, a deacon and servant of the church, a dedicated caretaker of the poor and the church's first martyr. In Stephen's final moment of life, in the face of death at the hands of his very own community where he served, The scripture tells us that Stephen was given a powerful vision of Christ enthroned in glory, a final assurance of the truth of the gospel to which he dedicated his life and now he was dedicating his death. As the stones of hate began to fly, mirroring his Lord and God on the cross, Stephen finds the strength to ask that God forgive the murderers for their sins. Stephen not only endures in faith to the end, but in that last moment, he's continuing to expand in the transforming power of faith in Jesus. As sad a moment as this must have been for the early Christian community, it was ultimately a powerful proclamation to them that no matter what they were to face, a life lived out changed in Christ will keep us always from falling into dissolution and despair, even in the darkest and most frightening hours. Likewise, in the first epistle of St. Peter, we're given again the familiar testimony taken from the Hebrew Scriptures that the stone that the builders refused and rejected has become the chief cornerstone of the foundation of God's kingdom of peace and righteousness. The cornerstone first rejected is Jesus Christ. And after Jesus, the stones which become the foundation of the church will be the apostles and martyrs of the faith. Saint Stephen being the first among them, laying down life without fear for the truth of Jesus Christ. And with our own post-Easter ears, we in this struggling church today can hear and understand that Peter is describing us as well in all of this because we are also called to walk with Christ in the way of the cross and find it the way of eternal life and rebirth. Peter says, 
Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. This means that we are the living stones built up and made part of the living body of Christ in the world now, a spiritual house that cannot be swept away or knocked over. Finally this morning, the gospel itself is our powerful resurrection testimony. For ourselves hearing it again, if we look honest at our lives, we can more fully understand it through the experiences and the hardships that we encounter, the hardships and encounters we have with hell, with its destructive forces of depression and darkness and death. Last Sunday, Jesus was the good shepherd and the gate opening out into the green pastures of abundant life. This morning, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these. When Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, let our minds be pulled back to that wonderful definition of discipleship and spirituality I presented to you from the 12 steps. Religion is for those who are trying to avoid hell. The hard work of Christian spirituality and discipleship comes to those who've already been there. The message fits all of us this morning, I believe. Religion always focuses in on what is the truth about Jesus. The doctrine, the dogma, the rules and expectations. Our creeds, which we say every week, are from about Christian truth. Our conversations are often about what is the true way to understand Scripture and how we can live as true Christians in the church and in the world. But thanks be to God, John chapter 14 verse 6 doesn't stop with simply the truth about Christ. Jesus also says there that he is the way and the life. His life and teachings give us the roadmap and an example of how we should also live in the world and build up the kingdom of God through action. The way and the life are the tools for that truth. And only in this full understanding of who the resurrected Jesus is do we understand and grasp the truth fully in our faith. Faith takes action, and action takes faith. One informs the other. If you know what the truth is, you need to practice it constantly in your life. I know that for all of us, if we ever have an exercise regime, and I never have many, but I'm always thinking about it and hoping for it. But when we have it, we practice it as often as we can weekly. Maybe you get up and do your run in the morning, or maybe you find time for yoga in the evening before you go home. Why is it that we know that in order to stay physically fit, we need to work out our bodies every day, but when it comes to spiritual health, we think it's something we can do whenever we find the extra bit of time. My friend Joe Parker, if he were here right now, would tell you himself that being a Christian takes practice every single day. It's hard work because Jesus is not only the truth, but he is also the way and the life. We need a faith that always in these hard times clings together with all that is right in action in the now.
religion and spirituality together, rules for avoiding hell and tools for digging our way back out of hell when we accidentally stumble or fall into the pit. I think maybe all of us should make it our own discipline to once a year sit down at our desks or at our kitchen tables, take out a pen or a pencil or maybe open up your laptop and write out your own testimony. How have you been restored and regenerated by Jesus Christ? When have you been in a dark place only to look up and realize that as lonely as you are, you're not alone? When did you find out the truth? And what are you doing every single day in this crazy world to live out that truth and share its good news with the world? We are living stones, the people of God, built into a spiritual house. Let us walk in the way, let us discover the truth, and let us live Christ's resurrected life for the world. Amen.